Parents Against Injustice was set up in 1985. Sue Amphlett, director of Payne, tells us why it was set up. We were set up because myself and my husband got caught up in the system when our youngest daughter had a series of fractures from very minor tumbles. Both her and her sister's name was put on the child abuse register, as it was called, and we very much lived in fear that they were going to be removed from us because they, professionals, kept saying, it can't have happened the way you said it did. This is Amphlet, the children don't get fractures from minor tumbles like that. Eventually, quite some time later, and on our insistence of getting second opinions, she was diagnosed as probably having mild brittle bone disease. I was a nurse by profession. I was a registered childminder at the time. I'd held very senior posts. I'd worked with abused children. I knew what the system was about. And I had an image of myself and my family and my children, that I was a very good mother, and my children were happy, contented children. And suddenly I had complete batch of strangers looking at me with the suspicion that actually I was abusing my children. And we felt so marginalised in the process. Only our GP had met us to any degree or even seen the children. The social worker who came to do the initial interview actually went on holiday the day before the conference. So there was nobody at the conference who knew us. And were sitting to make judgments as to whether these were abused children and whether they should be removed and what action they should take. We spent a long time trying to get help. We thought there must be other people out there who've gone through this. They must be able to advise us what the system is. I didn't know what a conference was. I didn't know what my rights were. I didn't know what the law said. You know, and I considered myself to be a reasonably informed person working within the system as a nurse and a childminder. And we found there wasn't anybody. And certainly there wasn't anybody who was prepared to believe that we might actually not have done anything. And at the end of the process... We were very damaged, very traumatised, as were our children. If it nearly destroyed us, and we had the use of a telephone and we could try and get help, and it cost us a lot of money to get some legal aid, we were poor young family at the time, what is it doing to people less able than us? How do people feel when they go through this experience? Most people just can't comprehend it. Somebody is looking at you in a way that you cannot comprehend. It's like looking at a fractured mirror of yourself and suddenly you begin to question everything that you thought you were. And this is why people struggle with it so much, that they lose their self-esteem, their self-respect. There have been one or two people who have been incredibly tough and have not lost that self-image, but most of them lose the self-image. And, of course, if you are a struggling single mum or a struggling family who's got a lot of social difficulties, got a lot of problems, financial difficulties, you have something like that come on top, and people just cannot cope. And they will tell you things like, it wasn't just trying to cope with that particular issue, but I felt I couldn't even wash the dishes anymore. I felt I couldn't even get out of bed to take the children to school, because... The whole structure of their life, which is, for most people, structured around their children, just disappeared. The base has been taken away out of their triangle and everything just falls through. Why did Sue feel that the process was damaging? The whole focus was the child protection process. Protecting a child is a very small part of a long process. The point at which you decide to protect a child, a huge other raft of work has gone on, and that is the investigative process of alleged abuse. And there was no focus, there was no recognition of what was happening because everybody believed, you know, if I'm working in the best interest of the child, I can't be doing it any harm, can I? It's what I call the Snoopy syndrome. 
who was a wonderful cartoon of Snoopy, who'd left total mayhem behind him. And when he got to the end caption, he stood there and he said, but how can I be wrong when I'm so sincere? You know, he just couldn't understand how he'd caused this mayhem. Now, that's exactly the same attitude. And the problem is, of course, you can. The road to hell, you know, is paved with good intentions. And unless you stop and question what you're doing and evaluate what you're doing, you will never see that. Sue gave her opinion of key points social workers should consider when working with families. The first one is just because you believe you're doing good doesn't necessarily mean you are. You do have to evaluate what you do. You do have to have standards in what you do. And you do have to be responsible for your own decisions and not place the onus of decision-making upon other professionals or practitioners within the group. The second is the things that I've already mentioned, you know, that, in fact, if you get people needlessly caught up in the system, you're not doing them any good. And the ones that you're causing the most harm to, very likely, are going to be the children themselves. There's no work process going into helping families put themselves back together once you've weeded them out of the system. There's no support groups for those families. They don't even appear in the statistics any longer because the only statistics that are actually being kept are those that are on the register. So if your child isn't on the register, you don't even appear in the workload of a local authority once you're weeded out. So all those people have to find a way of putting their lives back together with all the drain that that has on GPs and hospitals and counsellors and schools and their education and so on. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.